truly all all I care about is just helping people that suffer, you know, people that are struggling and people who need a place to turn and a place to come where they feel comfortable getting the help they need. And in any way that I can do that with Hike the Good Hike, reach more people, help more people and save save some lives. Well, that's the ultimate goal, man. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome everybody, it's good to be with you all. As always, we are here to model healthy communication for men. Today is Veterans Day here in the United States, and I want to give a shout out to the veterans in my life. So to Doc, Sirach, Chico, Old Man Tom, and Chad, thank you all for your service. And to my buddies who are still in and will be veterans in the future, to Hunter, Jack, and Short Round, thank you for your service as well, and stay safe, and we love you. My guest this week is Jesse Cody. He's the founder of Hike the Good Hike, a brand that emphasizes how hiking and wilderness exploration can benefit mental health and fundraises for the Youth Mental Health Project. Jesse has an awesome story about how he found this passion for the outdoors and it saved his life as he was in a mental health crisis. And we go through that story and how he ended up where he is today. Really inspirational and a pleasure to speak with him. So thank you to Jesse for coming on the program. Everybody enjoy this week's episode and we'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau podcast. Jesse, the Boston Mule, good evening. Hey, Thomas, how are you, man? (laughs) I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk to you. And thank you for taking the time. Uh, absolutely, man. I'm uh, I'm one who likes to speak, so uh, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> awesome. We're uh, peas in a pot on that then. <laughs> Perfect. This should go well. This should go well. <laughs> there you go. It's a good start. Laugh at my own stupid pun. It's good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> awesome, man. So I learned a bit about you you know, in preparation for the conversation and uh, you were somebody who, from from what I gathered, kind of would say walked the the societal path into your early adulthood. So kind of doing kind of the steps that you were told or what, you know, you were thought you should do. Um, but then you eventually found a point in your life where you were uh, feeling really low and uh, suicidal and mm-hmm. realized that you had to make a change so, uh, I think a lot of the conversation will be around, you know, your, your journey out of that and the kind of the positives and, and how other people can learn the positive takeaways. But how did you think you ended up in that situation? Because I think that with the stigma around mental health, there's not a lot of light shown on how easy it is for people to fall into, you know, those tough spots. So how, how did you end up there as a kind of contextualizing uh, starting point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, you bring up the stigma. I mean, I think, I think like most people who battle with mental health illness, um, the the first thing that you always think when you, when you notice that you're you're struggling and you have these demons is that it's an embarrassment. You know, you think to yourself, if people know the things that you're going through, that that's something that you should be ashamed of or something that you should be able to fix on your own, that maybe this is something that you created. And if you created it, so 
maybe there's a way that you can kind of eliminate it, but which we all know is truly not the case. You know, um, this was a buildup for me for a long time. I mean, I can always look back on, on my life and see, and see moments where I was struggled. You know, I struggled with insecurities. I struggled with, uh, we can go across the board. I mean, I, I think it's built off of insecurities you know, and never feeling, um, that I was doing enough or worth enough or achieving enough. Um, even at times when I was doing a lot of good things in my life, um, you know, as, as someone in high school, I was an accomplished runner, but, um, I often talk about for all the wins I had, it was that one loss that would affect me the most. And I would always feel like I was letting people down. If I lost, let my coach down, my family, myself, my friends, it was kind of a domino effect in the way I lived my life that, I was constantly concerned about these letdowns, even if they weren't happening in the moment that I was preparing myself for letdowns. I thought my life would just be a constant stage of letdowns. You know, those things wear on you for, for all of us that kind of go through these mental health challenges. Um, the more you think negatively about this yourself, the more that takes an effect and really starts um, evolving and developing these thoughts into something bigger um, more powerful, more dangerous. Um, as I kind of moved on, things that I did with myself in my life, even in, in jobs, whatever the case, uh, I kind of shied away from trying to take chances or trying to better myself in a position that I was in, or, you know, just finding a way to be like a person that would excel at what they were doing because I was always so concerned about failure. Um, I was kind of status quo with everything I did in my life because um, I was just afraid of failure. I just, felt like I was going to never actually accomplish things that maybe I was, it was a possibility of me accomplishing. Um, and so as I just, I got older, I started developing more and more ways to kind of deal with my insecurities, um, to deal with the things that were going on in my head. Um, I started kind of lashing out with narcissistic behavior, um, specifically to women I dated. Um, I just, I, I kind of created a monster uh, within myself and there was an opposite to this monster, almost an act for the people in my life, like my family, who I was very nervous to show that I was struggling. So I could show that I was doing well. I could show that I was, was happy. I could show that there was a lot of love and empathy in me. Um, but for the most part, that was an act. And, and, and that act in itself was a battle, you know, because when I knew I wasn't really truly being myself, that ate away at me. I really couldn't find my way out of this uh this small little room with these walls that were closing in, everything just seemed wrong to me. Everything just seemed to be at a place where I could do no good. I couldn't, I couldn't step out of this room. I couldn't push these walls away. I couldn't find my way into some light that would explain to my, to explain to me how I could actually live a better life. And so, you know, this, this, this buildup for so long, as you mentioned, got to a place where I started thinking to myself that this is the best that I can be. Then what's the point? You know, why? Why be here if you're no good for yourself, you're no good for others, you're, you're not excelling in life, you're just kind of at this place that even though some may think you're doing okay, you're not. And as a man struggling with mental health illness and, and, and thinking to myself, I'm not able to speak out about what I'm going through, I'm not able to talk about the depression that I feel, I'm not able to talk about the suicidal thoughts that I'm thinking, I just felt to myself, Maybe the best thing for you to do is just take your life because this is who you are. I can't see, I can't see a place where I'm going to better myself and come out of it. 
Um, and really the, 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 the worst of it for me was, you know, late thirties. And, and as I approached 40 and my 40th birthday was, you know, was a blessing for me because it got a lot of people in my life together all in one place. You know, my family, a lot of my friends, a big gathering to celebrate me. And I had this, this, this moment of clarity for a very brief moment where I realized there's a lot of love in my life. There's a lot of people here that care about me. So I talked about, you know, this moment of clarity um, for a brief moment where I, where I saw all this love in my life surrounding me. And I thought to myself with all this love in my life, how can somebody constantly think about taking their life? And when I thought about that, I also realized that I really had done nothing to try to help myself, that I'd never seeked help or I never asked for help. Um, And even though I didn't know how to do that, because again, I I felt ashamed of all the things that I was thinking and all the things that I was failing. I thought to myself, maybe, maybe it's time to see if there is something that you can do to find some help for yourself. And I dwelled on that for a little bit, you know, it took, it took me a few days to kind of think that over. And I thought to myself, I want to give myself a chance. Um, and I want to find a way to maybe possibly have a life for myself, not take my life. And with that, have a life that had some life with purpose. I think I was asking a lot <laughs> with the state that I was in. Um, but, you know, people constantly say you should always want to live for yourself. But, you know, I had this moment where at first I wanted to make sure I lived for everybody around me who cared for me. You know, that was a good start. Even though I, I had intentions of finding a way to live for myself, I'm grateful for the fact that I had so much love and that I could at least say to myself, Let's find a way here, man, to to keep yourself living because you have a lot of people that you would put a lot of pain on if you took your life and that's not fair. And so maybe from there, then you can find a way to live for yourself and and find a way to love yourself. Um, And that is when the the process of just trying to figure out how I could do that started. Um, And not, not, not long after trying to figure that out is when, when hiking kind of made its first appearance into my life. Um, so I don't know if you want me to continue on and tell you about how that came about. (laughs) Um, Do you remember who was the first person that you let in and and shared about the struggle? Well, I mean, even before, uh, you know, my 40th, um, you know, I talked to my brother about it, um, who I've always been really close with. And he's actually the first person to know that I had had suicidal thoughts. Um, I had talked to my best friend about it a bit. Um, I think like a, with a lot of people, when you hear someone that you, you care for say, you know, I've thought about taking my life. It's, that's a tough reaction. That's a lot to put on someone. Right. I mean, I, I don't think initially most people know how to react to that. You don't know the right thing. You know, sometimes people just want to think, what can I do to help this person get these thoughts off their mind? You know, um, I can remember letting them in and, uh, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, that was a cry for help, but I don't know what my thought process was. I just think I needed to say it out loud, but I, I didn't know who to say it to. So I found the the two people in my life that I was most comfortable with, you know, who certainly were there for me and certainly listened and certainly supported and wanted me out of this, this way of thinking, you know? Um, but 
it, probably in the same sense when, you know, maybe a few weeks later when they talked to me and said, hey, how are you feeling? The lies started again. Hey, I feel a lot better. You know, things are better. I'm not thinking these thoughts anymore, but that wasn't the case. It was truly mm. just the same, if not worse, you know. But you, again, it's just that feeling of embarrassment that kind of kicks in. It's just this natural feeling right. of let's get them to back off because I'm ashamed of these feelings that I'm having. Um, so For that's sure. what I did. You know, that's what I did. And, and these feelings were certainly just with me at all times. It was a, it was a struggle, you know, it was an everyday struggle. It was something that I thought about co- constantly, you know, oftentimes I had a lot to drink and I lashed out at a girlfriend or whatever the case may be, you know, I'm, I'm home and I'm crying in bed and I'm thinking about taking my life and <clears throat> didn't think this was going to get me so emotional. I've talked about it a lot. Man. Yeah, it's very very heavy man uh, thank you for the courage to share but the top to the so the root of it in your remembrance was this feeling of not being enough or not being good enough and i think there's a universality to that that's probably a feeling that a lot of people have felt and you know with your kind of hat now that you wear of having the tools and skills to deal with this stuff what would you say about how we can prevent future kids from feeling that and say there's someone listening who has a young cousin or a, a, a child or a sibling, you know, what do you, what do you think about what, you know, could you draw from your experiences that we can learn about kind of preventing this in the next, next generation? Well, I mean, it took me 40 years, right? It actually took me longer because even though I found my way to hiking, that was 2015. And I, you know, I started with the Appalachian trail. Um, it wasn't till 2017 that I actually said out loud that I was suicidal. It wasn't till 2017 that I actually finally went to my, my family and my parents and said, this is where I was. And this is why I found my way to hiking. Um, it, it was still really hard for me to say it out loud. So it's hard for me to say like, how, how can we, how can we get the next generation before they get to, you know, late thirties and forties to kind of confront this. Um, but I think, I think as a society, what we really need to do is we need to be more supportive in the sense that we have to kind of speak out loud that we're here for people that are struggling with mental health illness. Right. Um, I think about this all the time, man, even like coming off this last hike that I did, it, it's, it's a, for, for me now to be a mental health advocate, this is a tough field to get into because I am fighting a narrative that people are still afraid to talk about. And that certainly is the case with, with media, with politicians, even though we're seeing steps, you know, going further in, in doing the work to try to help. It's still hard, you know, man, it's still hard to get people to listen and say, Hey, we want to help you tell your story. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, recently a lot, you know, when I'm scrolling through social media or if I'm st- just sc- strolling, scrolling through um, outdoor news through magazines, online magazines. The most of the headlines are about people who have done incredible hikes at at, a, at an older age or have done it in a speed time. You know, I just saw recently that there are these three guys in their twenties that did all three three of the major hikes in the United States in a calendar year. These are the headlines. You don't get these headlines saying this guy went out and hiked this hike and raised X amount of dollars um, to bring awareness to mental health illness. You know, it's still just, 
it's crawling and like almost an offense getting down your knee. Yeah, you know, it really is. And it's, again, it's not to say that they're not doing it. It's just not enough. And if we want the younger generation, if we want people to feel comfortable to come out and say, I need help, we have to display ourselves in a way that we're, we're there to offer the help. We're still at a place where it is very scary, regardless of what age, gender, or whatever it is, to say the words, I'm suicidal. We're just, we're not giving the stage, we're not giving a place where people can come to and finally say, hey, I think this, I think we're at a place where it's comfortable to say that and that I can seek help and that I shouldn't be ashamed of the way I'm feeling. So if you want to ask me what I think, you know, from my experience, what we can do is I'm a mental health advocate. And even though these things frustrate me that like I reach out to these magazines, I reach out to this media and I say, hey, here's what I've just accomplished with the hike and how much money I raised. And it all went to a program called the Youth Mental Health Project. By not highlighting that, by not telling these stories, you're only going to drive me to go harder. <laughs> I'm only going to work harder to become a mental health advocate. You know, my goal is to be a mental health advocate in this country that's at the top, that's heard most, that I'm going to use my feet, I'm going to use my voice, and I truly believe I'm going to get to a place where people will listen. But it's going to take more than one person to do that. It's going to take a village, right? And so in order for people to feel better about it, we, the supporters, have to be louder and have to present ourselves better to give these people a place to come. And that's truly what I'm trying to build with Hike the Good Hike, a place that people feel comfortable to come. And even if it's just reaching out through an email and just saying, I need help, I want myself, the people that are working with me, the team that we're going to grow to be able to be there for the people that need that assistance. That's awesome, man. Well, your passion is is apparent and it's it's cool. I just had a different recording with a psychiatrist and I asked him about you know, for, for him, what's the opposite of toxic masculinity? And he said wholesome masculinity. And he he said specifically, like, what that looks like is leveraging the anger, right, or the passion and the those kind of innate, really primal emotions that we have as men and channeling it in a productive outlet. And I think that's what, you know, you're doing with that passion you have, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, okay. It's so funny you say that real quick. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people, I think, in my position who have like reached out and asked people to kind of help tell my story, and I've literally heard a lot of times I don't even hear back from these people, you know. And and in a, lot, a lot of people in my position may say, "Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to work even harder. I'm going to get to the place, and you're going to come a calling." And some people might see. A lot of people might say, "And when you do, you had your opportunity. I'm still ready." <laughs> Like what I'm doing, what I want to do is I want to help people that are struggling. So if it's in a year from now or two years from now, finally someone gets back to me and says, Hey, I actually would like to help tell your story. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, what happened two years ago when I tried to reach out to you? I'd be like, okay, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Like this isn't about trying to prove people wrong or, or, or call people out. This is just trying to get people to help. Like we need more people to help the people that are struggling with mental health illness. So I'll keep working hard. And eventually I think I'll get these people that right now may not be ready to help me tell my story, but my goal is to get them to a point where they, where they will be. And I won't hold any grudges. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about, you know, the ego, right. It's, it's mm-hmm. about 
the values that you're trying to live out and staying true to your, your purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, man. Well, you can always reference the, your episode on the Bronova podcast, man. I got you. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Two people I appreciate, man. <laughs> For sure. So, okay. So we're at this moment, your 40th happens and you kind of, um, wake up if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. That might not be the right kind of description, but there's a turning point of sorts. Yeah. And then now your life is really shaped in the present day by this passion for hiking and the, what it represents. So how did you, how did you come to that? And then what has, what about hiking has kind of sparked this, this passion in you and this love for it? Mm -hmm. You know, it was the book, a walk in the woods. I had, uh, by Bill Bryson about the Appalachian trail, a friend of mine had had given it to me in my early twenties and I gave it a, a read and I thought it was cool. And it was about adventure. But I, I was never a hiker, man. Like I lived in Boston and I lived in New York City throughout the majority of my life. And, you know, the woods just wasn't something that's played a major role in my life. Um, but the book was great. And so when I was, you know, after this 40th birthday party, that book was reintroduced to me again. And as, as soon as I started reading it, which was just weeks after my birthday party, um, I had this this just this light kind of shine inside of me about hiking you know it was it was a story about a man who wanted even though he had a lot of good things in his life he 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 had some questions that he felt like still needed to be answered and when I read that I was like man I have a ton of questions that that need to be answered and for a person that was sitting in a place who was thinking about suicide all the time I just I thought to myself one I need a really long walk I think that would be really good for me give me some time to really kind of sort some things out. And even though it's this insane trail, it's 2,200 miles from Georgia to Maine. Like how hard can it be when I'm constantly thinking about taking my life? You know, what do I have to lose? And that's what led me to the Appalachian Trail that I felt like the universe was calling in some way that it's, it, it saw me in the place that I was standing. It had an understanding that I had some needs and it kind of knew that if I started t- walking this walk, that I could I could sort some things out. And, uh, and so it, it led me to trail, you know, and with Mother Nature, they, they guided me through the most difficult thing I'd ever done in my life, you know, hiking for six months from Georgia to Maine. But I came out of there, one, with this incredible love for nature, but also finding this place to be almost, you know, the couch that I lie on and speak to my therapist. You know, that it was my chapel. It was my therapist. It was my answers to a lot of things and not in the sense that I would ever say it cured me because when you struggle from mental health illness, you're never cured. You just find a way to kind of work with the demons that are messing around in your head. <laughs> um, and, and it taught me that I could, I could work with them instead of fighting them, instead of this tug of war, I could, <clears throat> I could have these conversations and we could work some stuff out, you know, that for the rest of my life, when the when there are these moments that that the that the demons are are telling me things about myself that may not be true or trying to lead me in a direction that may not be healthy for me, I can kind of stop them in their tracks and say, "What's this all about? Let's talk it out and let's work it out." And certainly, when those moments happen, I, I tend to find that the best way for me to do that is to snap on you know strap on my sneakers and go find a trail and take a walk. Um, 
the hiking is a funny thing, man. You know, <laughs> my, my belief <laughs> in my, <laughs> the way that I look at it, it constantly changes, you know, from those first steps in 2015 that I started hiking on the Appalachian trail to now is I'm, I'm approaching 9,000 miles hiked since then, you know, and, um, uh, my life has evolved in a lot of ways, but my relationship with nature and, and my thoughts of about what it means to me has, has changed a lot, almost to the point that I feel like I, I truly now believe that we all had lives before. And I'm like, man, I must have been some type of adventure, <laughs> adventurer back then, because this is just something that I truly love. And it's, it's, I, I look at it now, like, how did I ever have a life without, without nature, without being able to take on these trails, you know? How did that, how, how did it take me 40 years to figure that out? And so there's just this, this peacefulness to it, right? But there's a challenge to it. So, you know, I'm an endurance hiker. My hikes are, are I'm out there for months and I'm, I'm hiking 20 plus miles a day and it's a grind and it beats me up and it challenges me and it, mother nature and the universe always will tell me nothing will come easy. You know, you're going to have to work for everything that you want in your life, man. Just in the same sense, if you want to get up and over a mountain in a hike, you're going to have to climb, you know, it's going to be hot. You're going to have to struggle at times. You're going to have to fight it. Um, it's no different with the things that can go on in your mind when you're suffering from mental health illness. So that's one thing about nature is that it taught me how to kind of work through things because nothing just comes easy in life. And I, I think that's for most people, whether you suffer from mental health illness or not. But when you're struggling with demons, it's certainly a bit harder. Um, and then the peacefulness of it and the sound of it and the smell of it and the taste of it, there's just nothing like it. It's just a place where you can truly just feel in tune to the world. I don't think enough of us do it, especially this day and age, you know, that people are just so caught up in their everyday life that they don't take time for themselves and they don't find their way to a place that actually can give them a lot of po positive energy, you know? Nature's empathy to me, man. Like I feel every time I'm out there that there's so much love surrounded by you and, and what this planet gives us. Um, I say often with all the things going on in our in the state of our country and the state of our world that no matter what we try to do to this world, no matter how much it seems we try to take it down, the world is always going to win, man. The world will be here a lot longer than we will be. You know, I, I know some people don't think that's the case, but it always seems to find a way to be one step ahead of us. <laughs> um, and so there's those two combinations. It's that it's that it's my chapel. It's my therapy. It, it, it shows me how to love. It, sh it shows me how to love myself. It, it allows me to work things out. And uh, I just can't see how I could ever have a life without it, you know, because <clears throat> I found my way to being the human that I want to be. And I don't want that to ever change. And I think in order for me to continue to be this way, nature and I have to kind of stand side by side. That's awesome, man. Well said. <laughs> yeah, that's. Thank you. <laughs> I, I completely agree on the, the communing with nature point. It's something that I feel like either people are kind of born into it, into a family that values that, or, you know, they have to find it as an adult. Um, for me, it's swimming yeah. and surfing a lot. I, I get in the water a lot in the bay mm -hmm. here in San Francisco. And it's pretty amazing. Even today I went on a quick bike ride and I was out in a pier kind of looking at the city and just thinking, actually, so I had saw there's a couple 
you can get get a permit and like uh, anchor your boat overnight in this little cove, and it's just you know thirty odd meters, fifty meters off the shore. But I was like, these people must wake up in the morning and this morning and just feel a million miles from society, <laughs> even though they're literally right there, just yeah. by being on the water and feeling you know the tide come in and out and rocking on the water yep. all night. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah you don't, so you, you don't have to go far, right? Like you don't exactly. have to go to the Appalachian trail, the Pacific crest trail. I mean, they're, we're all capable of jumping in a car or on a bike and getting somewhere not too far away. I mean, you talk about the Bay area I mean, you could be in New York city and head to central park and just find something that's a bit more, you know, peaceful than taking a walk in Times square. <laughs> like, you know, you, just, <laughs> you know, man, we all have the ability to find that place that, you know, it, it quiets down a bit and it smells a little bit better and there's some nice wind and there's some nature and there's birds and like you said you know that that kind of environment if you put yourself out there it's it's good for you man it's it's good for the mind it's good for the body it's good for the soul it's good for everything so for sure you uh you you mentioned that you know it's your therapy have have you combined um uh, actual talk therapy with your recovery or medication at all? Have you kind of, cause that's another thing that I feel like there's a stigma around is like talking about going to therapy or being on medication. Um, so is that part mm-hmm. of your kind of healing journey too? So it's not. I mean, I'm really glad you asked that. I think that's an important mm-hmm. thing to talk about. Um, it's not, you know, I've, I've, I've dipped my toes into therapy, uh, but it never really stuck with me. Um, I've certainly never been on any medications. Um, you know, I do different things. Obviously I hike, I trail run. Um, I've recently started yoga, um, because I still suffer from anxiety. I want a lot in life. And when things aren't mm-hmm. kind of coming at me the way I would hope, you know, they cause certain things. But what I will say is that even though I'm a mental health advocate and my advocacy is towards trying to show what nature can do for you, I advocate for anything that works, man. Like, you know, if, if, I, I always tell people, if you're struggling, you should, you should try everything, <laughs> you know, you should right. give a shot to everything and find what works for you. You know, it's better than not trying anything at all. And so you're never really going to hear me talk against anything. You know, I'm never going to come out and say, Hey, you should try this before you should try therapy. That's nothing that will ever come out of my mouth. I'm, I'm about people making the effort to try whatever they think may work for them and try all kinds of different things and find what, what works best. So hiking's works best for me, you know, activity has worked best for me. You know, those are the things, you know, maybe, I mean, it's great that it's really is a great question because even I was on a trail run the other day and I thought about that. I said, you know, maybe even just giving a shot to therapy wouldn't be bad. I mean, you're in a good place, but maybe if you did try therapy, maybe you'd make more of a commitment to it now and you could find yourself in an even better place and have an even better understanding of the, the work you're trying to do. So, you know, like, like hiking, nothing to lose. Why not? So yes, I'm an advocate on, on really just trying to find what works best for you and, and whatever works best for your mind, because there's a lot of different things out there that you can, you can try and have at it, you know, because again, it's better than just kind of sitting with yourself and letting these, these thoughts just kind of materialize and, and grow in your mind and put you in a place where, you know, is not a yeah. great, is a really dark What's place. What's your in so. crisis? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I like, I like, I love therapy because for me, I can go to a professional who 
has a very deep and nuanced understanding of what happens to people in certain circumstances. Cause you know, I like to think I'm a precious, uh, beautiful, unique butterfly. Right. But Mm -hmm. ultimately despite individuals thinking we're the most unique creations ever, (laughs) like almost everything we've experienced, other people have gone through. So that's why I love because I can go and say, Hey, this experience happened to me and they can provide a, more objective perspective on, oh, okay, likely this is what you're feeling or this is how the brain acts to these kinds of inputs. And it helps kind of take the emotion out of things and help me look at myself more objectively and also helps me to judge less my reactions to these things. Right, right. So, yeah, for that reason, I really enjoy it because I, I don't know, I, I'm someone who I really respect expertise and you know when someone studied and and kind of made it their life to to understand a, a specific course of of study i think that's really cool and i like to yeah bounce ideas off that basically yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean it makes complete sense right i mean and like i said it's it's just it's truly about just finding what works for you and that's just that's the key because if you're taking that step, well, that's the hardest part. You're fin- you know, the fact that you're taking a step to find help, well, that's the most difficult part of the whole, the whole process is just being able to open up yourself to the world and say, I need help. And so once you get there, well, then, then you have these, these moments where you can really start trying to figure out what does work best for you and what works best for you to figure out a way to have conversations within your head with yourself that you can find a way to be a a better version of yourself or the best, the best version of yourself. And so some people like myself have found the ability to be able to do that on my own. And and I don't think I do it on my own. I think nature speaks to me, you know, mother nature Mm -hmm. speaks to me. She's my therapist and some others, you know, find therapy itself to be the way to go. And so, uh, yes, you know, let's, let's in the same sense, what we talked about before, you know, to make things easier for the next generation, explore everything that you can to figure out what's best for you. You know, it's, it's just better than keeping it all to yourself. Absolutely. So tell us, uh, tell us more about hike the good hike and what's the, the vision and mm-hmm. what is it, I guess, as, as a starting point. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the last couple of years, I would say it's a movement that's grown. Um, a lot of people following along, a lot of people taking a lot of interest. Um, it's based off my own story that we've, we've discussed and, and how hiking has helped me. And, um, you know, now we're at a point where I've just come off this 1300 mile hike where I raised, uh, just under $26,000 for a program called the Youth Mental Health Project, uh, out of Connecticut. And for me, that was kind of uh, an audition for what I think Hike the Good Hike can do and to take us from a movement to an actual nonprofit charitable organization. Um, and, and by seeing that we could raise so much money um, and, and, you know, I, the hike itself was just me. But, of course, I've had people behind the scenes that have been very helpful. Um, we're now in the process of um, rebranding everything and kind of, you know, showing what Hike the Good Hike is in a different way. Not so much just my story, but growing it into something that we want to do as a nonprofit where hopefully next year we can get a bunch of hikers under hike, the good hike to hike under us and to raise money for what would be our, our 501, uh, our 501 nonprofit. And with that money in the same sense of what I just did with this 1300 mile hike is that 
everything that will, is donated, we'll start kind of using that money to distribute out to programs throughout the country that need some funding, need some exposure, and to just help these programs that are doing work to help people with mental health illness. My, uh, my vision is kind of coming into a reality and I want to grow it. I always kind of use um, Dana-Farber as a good thing to look at um, out of Boston, who you know does cancer research out of Boston. And what they've done over the years um, for a long time now is basically for people who can't qualify for the Boston Marathon, um, you can get a number through Dana-Farber if you raise X amount of dollars. And so I like to use that as an example of what I want to do with Hike the Good Hike is that people will hike underneath, hike under us. We'll, we'll support them any way we can. Certainly, I've got a lot of crazy ideas on how I want to support hikers who hike under Hike the Good Hike. Um, but it's all about just raising money and getting and getting as many donations as we can um, throughout the year and certainly more so during the hiking season and taking that money and be able, in a sense, almost like grants distributed out to these programs, the many, many programs that need assistance throughout the country. Um, and that's my goal, man, you know, is that we're doing this rebrand. I myself am launching a podcast after the new year. Um, uh, we're going to just kind of grow our stage. We're going to get more people to come on. Um, again, we're, we're going to need all the help we can get from the exposure that we want, but it's going to be something that I truly know that is going to do big things is going to be able to help programs grow. It's going to give the ability for more people to get out there and talk and be helpful for those suffering from mental health illness. And, um, you know, you said it kind of yourself, man, it's, it's an ego. The ego needs to go to the side if there is one, because truly all, all I care about is just helping people that suffer, you know, people that are struggling and people who need a place to turn and a place to come where they feel comfortable getting the help they need. And in any way that I can do that with hike, the good hike and uh, and help the country and help these programs um, reach more people, help more people, and save save some lives. Well, that's the ultimate goal, man. And um, it's not a dream anymore. You know, it's becoming reality. And nice every day, I'm going to keep plugging away and and, and watch it grow. <laughs> awesome, man. That's what's up. I mean, you have a strong why, right? You know, you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And yeah, I'm excited to watch it go too. Um, so for, say there's somebody listening or who will listen in the future to this episode and, you know, they haven't necessarily started that journey within mm-hmm. and maybe they haven't ever really, you know, had the courage to connect with their own emotions or they are struggling their own battle, their own demons. You know, what would you say to somebody who is kind of looking over that cliff and hasn't taken the plunge yet? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I was lucky to have a lot of life and continue to have a lot of love in my life. And there are a lot of people who don't, you know, don't have a place to turn. Um, but, you know, I'm proud to be able to say this as a man, you know, um, now that I can live a life, you know, led by empathy and love that even for the people who don't feel that there's love out there, there, there is, you know, there are places to turn. Um and sometimes it's as simple as just writing an email, making a phone call, getting on social media and, and directly messaging someone, even if it's someone who's not presenting themselves as a mental health advocate, but you're someone that you think you can relate to. Have a conversation. Just reach out. Sometimes it's easier just to reach out to a stranger. Just find someone to talk to. There are people out there that will listen. There are people out there that will help. Um, 
you know, it was simple enough for me to read a book and kind of get myself moving and realize that it was a lot of love in my life. But we're in a day and age where there's a lot of visibility and there's a lot of things that you can see in front of you that you may relate to and that may be easier for you to say this person right here and that story is something that I feel that I'm connected to. Just reach out. I tell people all the time, man, if you if you hear me on a podcast, you come across my social media, if you come across my website, drop me a message and tell me what's going on and I'm I'm going to I'm going to listen. I'm here for you. So, across the board, whether it is people who have the love have a conversation with someone that that you know cares for you and loves for you. And if you feel like there's nothing in your life that that gives you that, there's somebody out there that that will give you the support. And just don't be afraid to take that step. Beautiful, man. There is hope. Yeah, for sure. Really is. Yeah, hell yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we'll pivot over to the, the three things game, the crescendo of every – Bro Nouveau podcast episode. <laughs> cool. I love this game. Yeah, it's dope. <laughs> All right, man. I'm excited. So who, I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. So whoever's birthday is sooner uh, in the coming calendar goes first. So uh, what month is your birthday in? July. July. Okay. Uh, what am I? I'm August. So you're sooner. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're up. Uh, all right, here's your question. What are three What are three things you have learned about commitment? Whoo! Whoo! <laughs> <laughs> what are three things you have learned about commitment? Well, one, truly know when you commit to something or someone that that commitment you're making should also be committed to you. You know what I mean? We sometimes engage in something nice. that we want to make a commitment to. And, 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 and whether, again, it, it doesn't have to just be a person. It can be a job or it can be, be hiking. It can be whatever the case may be. Make sure that, that there's a commitment coming from both sides. Because if there's an ongoing battle between the two, it's just the commitment's never going to work. It's never going to work out. So that's one thing. That the commitment should always kind of you know materialize between whatever the two things are. Um, also, whatever you're making commitment to, love it. You have to have love. If it's job, if it's exercise, if it's a book, <laughs> whatever. You, I want to read this book. I want to listen to this podcast. I want to go for a run. I want to go to the gym. I want to love this person. You know, you, you got to make sure you love what you're doing, man. I, I stuck in a career for 19 years and I never loved it. And I thought to myself, I can't believe I went that long. In something that I didn't love. And now what I'm doing with my life, I love it. (laughs) And that's why I'm so passionate about it is because I love it. So there's two things, right? You got to love what you're committed to and you got to make sure that the thing that you're committed to is also committed to you. And number three, um, commitment cannot be (laughs) half-assed. Yeah. It is the, I mean, I'm probably making an obvious statement here, man, but Commitment cannot be half-assed. And I think we all realize this on a daily basis, man, that we may tell ourselves we're committed to something, but the true results of whatever you're committed to will not show unless you're doing it on a daily basis and it's something that's truly in- integrated into your life. So there it is, man. I, 
three things. Nice. Well said. <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Especially on the well, all all, all of those points, but the the piece about really yeah, committing to it to use the every English teacher's uh, worst nightmare like to find a word in the description or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yes, yeah, doing it every day and, and not half-assing it, rather going not half-assing it. Yeah, life is too short, really, man. To you're, not, not, you're not really committed to it if you're half-assing it. Let's be honest. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah man. Th- this this podcast is what has kind of come to the fore in my life. Is the the thing that I'm kind of most excited about and most, um, as far as like a professional endeavor. So that's awesome. Man. Yeah. It, it feels good. It feels good, good to, you, yeah. Thanks man. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Okay. Here's my question. <laughs> what are three things you have learned about business? <laughs> oh boy. It's a, it's a funny question. Like the way it like, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but all right. Um, <laughs> number one, I think that business is an outlet for many people to let out their primal competitive nature. So specifically the, you know, we operate in this capitalist capitalistic economy where top products rise, economies of scale drive efficiencies widen the margin and people love that. And a lot of people get caught up in that and, I could see myself kind of playing that game forever and I'll have to, you know, in some way to, to make a life, but I don't want to have my life be defined by that. I realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's number one. Number two, man, you can make a business out of anything like the podcasting. For example, is a medium through which people have made dumb money. You know, and yeah. if you had told someone 30 years ago that it's not quite radio and you have to get it on the internet, but you can make a lot of money on it, people would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I think like not having limiting beliefs around what can be a successful business and, and trying it and, and uh, kind of believing in oneself, like if you have a passion to make it, make it a business good. And then number three, I'll switch to a uh, a more metaphorical one. Um, <laughs> I think that I need to remind myself some sometimes to mind my own business, right? You know, instead, like for example, like observing in this conversation, like you know, part of me wanted to be like Jesse, like you got to get into therapy, like what are you doing, you know? But I'm like, you know what? It's not my fucking business, <laughs> like. <laughs> Grown ass man, you can do what you want. It's not my place. So I, I think that, um, like that gets into like projecting and, you know, kind of staying in one's lane, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those are my three things. That's good. That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Minding my own business. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> awesome, Jesse. Well, I know that the, uh, the audience can check you out, hikethegoodhike.com. Um, yep. What should they be check, looking out for or kind of what's on the horizon for, for you guys over there? Man, I would say in the next month or so, you're going to see a total overhaul of everything that we're doing from social media to the website. Um, you know, 
I think it's going to kind of line up perfectly with um, hopefully by the new year um, being an official 501. And from there, man, it's just growing, growing, growing. So, you know, a lot of things that we talked about, we, we just want people to get behind us and, and get the word out. Um, we're doing some good work. We, we're trying to help people. And I, I, can't see how it, I can't see how people don't want to get behind that, right? <laughs> um, so just keep a look out. You know, the, the website's up now. It's great, but it's going to be better. Um, the social media is great, but it's going to be better. And um, before long, we're, we're just going to get a lot of people on board that are going to help us grow. So, you know, help us spread the word. That's the best you can do for me right now. And support if, you, if, you, if you'd like. <laughs> right on. Awesome, man. Well, good luck. And uh, thank you for, yeah, normalizing this conversation and all the people and lives you're going to touch and inspire, man. So keep it up and, and best of luck, man. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. <laughs>